So here's the part where you make a choice. What if you could have that power? Now. In every generation, one slayer is born. Because a bunch of men who died thousands of years ago made up that rule. They were powerful men. This woman is more powerful than all of them combined. So I say we change the rule. I say my power should be our power. Tomorrow, Willow will use the essence of this scythe to change our destiny. From now on, every girl in the world who might be a slayer will be a slayer. Every girl who could have the power will have the power. Can stand up, will stand up. Slayers. Every one of us. Make your choice. Are you ready to be strong? Welcome to Welcome to Storybrook, the last Welcome to Storybrook. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. I know we're done. Can you believe it? I can't. And what I especially can't believe is this was a really, really good last episode, except (laughs) for the part where it really honked me off because this should have been the entire last season. I mean, I thought it was a great last scene. I might have gotten a little misty not not even quite tearing up but just just a touch misty but this is also of course the last episode of our podcast yeah I... which is wild i mean it's been multiple years when we started this podcast we weren't living together yet it's true we weren't married i was married to a different person god wow it's been a been a long long trip it has i feel like we should play that green day song that they play at every single graduation ever yeah or, or not or we could not we we could not it's not even going to be the outro song no hey before we jump into this I, we would normally save this for the end but i think we should just really quickly say what our plans are after this uh yes this podcast is ending but that doesn't mean all of our podcasts are ending In fact, we are going to be starting two new podcasts. But those podcasts are going to be coming at you every other week. So there will be a podcast every week. We won't be doing two podcasts a week. Although, I don't know, maybe if enough people contribute to our Patreon, one of us can quit our jobs and we could do that. Could be. Yes. So we're going to take a four-week break. Mm -hmm. So for the first time in multiple years, we will not release a podcast, which feels very strange to me. But we'll take four weeks off, and then we're going to be starting two new podcasts. We'll be coming at you with Welcome to the Hallowell Manor, a podcast about Charmed, the old Charmed, not the- Charmed classic. Yes, not the Charmed reboot. And Welcome to the Uncharted Territories, which is about Farscape, which is going to be very interesting because I adore Farscape, and Max is pretty lukewarm on it, so I'm interested to see how that one goes down. I'm not really a big sci-fi person, which is always a shock to people considering what a gigantic nerd I am in other arenas. Well, especially comic books. I feel like the comic book sci-fi crossover is big. Like, fantasy sci-fi, maybe not so much. Mm. But, I mean, how can you love the Dark Phoenix and not love... Farscape. Don't worry, you're gonna love it by the end. So, say, 
The Phoenix Force isn't a Muppet. It's not an angry space Muppet. It could be! That would have been better than the Dark Phoenix movie, but... Oh, wow. All right. Uh, admit it, you would love to see the Dark Phoenix saga as told by Muppets. I would absolutely love that. Just the arms flailing about. By the way, if you're not familiar with Farscape, one of the things I love about it, but maybe it's kind of a high bar to entry for some people, is the fact that a lot of the aliens are actually played by Muppets, created by Jim Henson's studio. It's awesome because then you escape the, like, human with... Forehead ridges. Yeah, problem that you have in Star Trek, but for some people it's too cartoony. But once you get past the cartoony nature of it, it's awesome. It's no Spock's brain. Oh, yes. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about... The final episode of Once Upon a Time. So, as a reminder, uh, to recap, literally nothing that happened this season mattered. That is true. That is accurate. Outside of Jacinda and Lucy, and I guess Alice... Although we barely see Jacinda and Lucy in this episode. I think you could count the lines they have on the fingers of one hand. Really, the only thing that's new this season is the Alice and Robin Jr. stuff. Yeah, because, like, we see Sabine once this episode, and she, I, I don't even think she gets a line. Yeah, you know what? Sabine is our VIP extra this episode. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, let's jump into it. All right. So, as a reminder, Wishverse Rumble is using Wishverse's Henry's author powers, because since he is sort of henry i feel like it's sort of a don buffy key situation here yeah he can utilize the powers of the author because he like shares blood dna soul i don't know whatever so he can do the author stuff even though he's not actually the author and also he is filled with rage because from his point of view regina popped in killed his grandparents and then kidnapped his mom and like popped out and he was like what the actual fuck so again very very late in the season they took her suggestion to make wish for henry the main big bad and now he is the big bad he's co-opted adult henry's author powers and is using them in accordance with wish for rumpelstiltskin to reshape the world to wish for rumpelstiltskin's designs i wonder how many of our listeners had watched this whole season and were losing their minds when we said that wish first henry should be the villain he it makes so much sense and as we see from the last two episodes it would have made a great ending it would have worked so last episode ended with alice and robin jr taking sabine's food truck and using a magic bean to go to storybrooke which is a reminder slash a piece of information that I didn't have, that you still need a bean or a portal or something to get in and out of Storybrooke, which is important for the end of this episode. Yeah, I guess the protections around Storybrooke are still up. I don't remember what the last set of containment things were on Storybrooke. Was it an Evil Queen thing? I I... don't... You know what? I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm just going to say that that was the show's way of letting us know that those things are still in effect. The last one I remember was leaving the town got you turned into a tree. I think maybe now there's just a force field that just stops you. Yeah, because the tree thing was Dark Emma. Yes. But I guess there were things after that. 
All right, so the episode opens, and by the way, my heart was just, like, so surprisingly glad to be back in Storybrooke. It felt good. It was like putting on an old coat you haven't seen in a while that still fits you real nice. Yeah, so we open with the dwarves, and you know we love the dwarves. Literally whistling hi-ho as they walk down the street on the way to the mines to mine magic, I guess. It's kind of fun because Grumpy's the only one whistling at first, and then he's like, Hey, assholes, we're dwarves. Whistle. Yeah, I love how he's being happy in a grumpy way. He's like, It is a beautiful day, motherfuckers. I want to hear some whistling. (laughs) So, God, happy Grumpy is kind of creepy. But man, I miss Leroy. So they stop by Granny's, and Granny has bagged lunches for them. Seven bagged lunches, so I guess Teeny is still working with them. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the portal opens. Sabine's truck comes roaring through the portal, almost kills Grumpy. I genuinely, for a second, was like, are they going to do that to us? But no, she stops like a second from Grumpy and just causes him to drop all of his food, and it's sad. Yes, she does successfully murder all of the dwarves' lunches. Yes, they are unhappy about that. So, a lot of the Storybrooke classic crew are here, Dr. Hopper, Granny, the dwarves, and they are not thrilled to see interlopers. No, Alice jumps out and she's like, you need to help us save Henry Mills! But remember, there's been time travel, so Dr. Hopper's like, um, we all just saw Henry Mills last night at his graduation, so... I do like how this solves some issues by having the timeline sync up so Henry is already gone. Yeah, I think Henry's on his boat trip at this point. Remember after graduation, he went on a boat trip with Emma and Hook that we saw in a flashback? God, this has to have some awkward maneuvering for them, given what happens at the end of the episode. Like, none of them can tell Henry Classic what's going on, because he still needs to leave with... Yeah, well... They still, like, they need to hide everything from Henry Classic and Regina Classic and Hook Classic until Henry Classic and Regina Classic and Hook Classic go on the little adventure thing that gets them all out of this universe. Yeah, so... Otherwise, Lucy will not exist. That is awkward, yes. We very conspicuously do not see Henry Classic at any point in this episode. Well, do we? We'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. Speaking of awkward time travel, Alice is like, yeah, I know, but time travel. So chop chop. And I love how like disdainful she is. She's like, do you not understand time travel? Like we are from the future. Future Henry is in trouble. It is a neat little bit of stage business that while Alice is explaining the situation to them, Granny wanders off, and as soon as she finishes her explanation, Granny wanders back with a crossbow and starts shooting at them. I get that they did this so that only the characters that appear in this episode would appear in this episode, but I don't know. As I said in our initial reaction, I would have liked it if more of this episode had actually taken place in Storybrooke, but I guess you can only get who you can get, and you can only get them for as long as you can get them. But I feel like... These are fairy tale creatures who have lived through like three curses at this point. They should have at least listened to her. I mean, is time travel that unbelievable? And let's be let's be upfront here. Basically, subtlety is not the strong suit of any once upon a time villain. Yeah. Like 
assuming that any out-of-towners are automatically evil isn't the worst thing in the world, but also, come on, guys. Yeah, let's, let's turn down the xenophobia just a touch. So Alice and Robin Jr. run away, and Alice is like, I thought you said Storybrooke was great, which is a nice little commentary, because Robin's like, yeah, I guess it turns out it's great if you're an insider, but not so great if you're an outsider, which I feel like is a lot of small towns. Mm. Whenever people talk about the charms of small towns, I'm like, yeah, try being an outsider in one. So Robin Jr.'s like, you know what? Let's just cut out the middleman. We all know that there's only like four characters we're going to actually be able to interact with. There's Regina's car. We know we've had Regina all season. Let's go get her to help us. So they go to the car, but lo and behold, it is not Regina driving the car. It is Zelina. And Zelina has a five-year-old Robin in the car with her. And which I point out only so that I can say that in the credits, this little girl is credited as young Margot. She's not. She's young Robin. Margot is her curse name. She's not. I'm... That made me so angry. Okay, I... It, did you watch the show? I was more curious as to why Zelina's driving Regina's car. She has her own car. It's green. I don't know. Wait, didn't they, like, crash it at some point? Yeah, she hit the Black Fairy with it, but that was several years ago at this point. Oh, yeah. That was, like, five years ago at this point. Yeah. I just... I, I can see needing to use your sister's car for, for a reason. So, Zelina is wearing one of her iconic kind of cloaks with the arms cut out. Yeah, she looks great in it. And I love, when she gets out, she doesn't assume that these are intruders. She just assumes they're storybook people she doesn't know. And she's like, yes, it is I, the Wicked Witch of the West. So, I, I do like the fact that she's like a local celebrity and apparently people ask her for selfies all the time. I do like that. She's like, yeah, take a selfie with me. And poor Robin is like mom and which selena no sells she totally ignores that she's like she's like come on now hurry off before i turn you into toads and flying monkeys flying monkeys and robin jr's like haha no you won't you don't have magic ass face i know that because i'm your daughter yeah she does one of those buffy talking to giles when she was in faith's body things where she lists a bunch of stuff that only a grown-up alternate reality version of her daughter would know. I yeah. mean, I guess just a plain grown-up version of her daughter would know. Yeah, I, I think only only her daughter and Regina probably know that she has no magic and also hates to drive. Although, God, credit to uh, Kid Robin. Oh, she's really cute. She's, she looks so honked off sitting there in the car. She is irritated at this. She's like, no, I'm the kid. There's not some new kid now. Presumably she can't hear any of this. This is just planting the seeds for her horrible relationship with Zelina. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sad times. So, in the Wishverse, now everyone is in the snow globe. Apparently when Rumpel bamped them all away, except for Regina at the end of the episode, he bamped them all into the snow globe. So they're all together, but they're also all freezing because they're in a snow globe. And presumably that midnight deadline when it fills with snow and they all suffocate is still, you know, on the table. Although they're a lot smaller in the snow globe now. Before it was like Lucy and Jacinda pounding against it, like... Yeah, in the shot we saw of Lucy and Jacinda in the snow globe, first of all, there wasn't a little cabin. And they basically filled up the whole globe. 
Now there is a little cabin and Jacinda and Lucy are tiny in relative proportion to the snow globe so that they're all like in it comfortably. Although not comfortable because they're freezing. Including Weaver. Yes, because apparently off screen, Wish First Rumple, should we just call him the dark one? Sure. Yeah, we can do that. Apparently off screen, the dark one had Wish First Henry write out Rumple's dark oneness, so now he's the only dark one. Yeah, Rumple's just a normal person now, I guess. Okay. Alright. So now we, we can say the dark one and mean wish versus Rumple and Rumple and mean regular Rumple. Yes. And this Rumple does a big like, oh, this is terrible speech because without the love of Belle, the dark one has no check on his power and you won't even believe how evil he's going to be. I want to point out wish versus Rumple did have a Belle. She just starved to death in a castle. Also Regina's fault. Also Regina's fault. Actually, I might put that one more on Snow and David. I mean, like, they kicked Regina out of the castle and then didn't check to see if she had any prisoners, so Belle starved to death. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think that if she hadn't killed them, they'd have gotten around to checking the castle. No, remember, they were long dead by the time... Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Or, Or... she or Belle was long dead by the time. Right, because it was like 15 years since they had banished the evil queen. Okay, yeah, yeah. Nope, that's that one's that one's on Wishverse, Snow, and David. Although I will say, Wishverse, Snow, and David did not exist prior to the wish being cast, which means somewhere in Regina's subconscious, when she created this Wishverse, she wished for Belle to have died in the tower. Yeah. Although, in-universe, it was like 30 years. Because they banished Regina right before... Oh, right. You know, I track time by the child who is born during the crisis. And I was thinking of Henry being the child that was born in the crisis. But no, of course, Emma's the child who was born during the crisis. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, Belle was long dead. Long dead. (laughs) I mean, it was super dark and really fucked up, but Rumpel just threw Belle's bones out... (laughs) Regina in that episode, Wish vs. Rumple, just threw Wish vs. Bell's Wish vs. Bones at Regina. God, this show. Okay, so Rumple is talking about how bad everything is and how he's never going to get to get back to Bell now that he doesn't have the Dark One dagger to turn light to redeem himself because his Dark One power has been stripped of him which i feel like should mean he gets to get to battle anyway but what whatever whatever and then hook's all like oh wait no i have it bad worse because i can't be near my daughter because of my poisoned heart and it's basically just like who's it's basically just suffering olympics up in here Mm. so speaking of suffering uh we see the return of one of our classic once upon a time elements the terrible helmet guards oh those helmet guards are in fact terrible they are dragging regina into the throne room to face king henry yeah he is king isn't he his parents are dead killed by regina grandparents grandparents and his mom was too incompetent to take the throne when she was alive. And well, she it, disappeared. Yeah, and then she disappeared forever. But let's be clear, the throne was going to pass straight to Henry. Interesting fact, just to highlight here, 
everybody has a Wishiverse counterpart, but Emma does not. Emma was trans I was gonna say transported to the Wishiverse, but really the Wishiverse was made around her. Mm-hmm. Like Emma's the only person who is not a Wishiverse person. Like this Regina is arguing, wait, I'm not the evil queen that you know. I'm a different person from a different universe. Emma's the only person who is the mother he knows. Yeah. Yeah, the Wishverse was created to be a prison for Emma. Yet no Jennifer Morrison in sight. Mm. Yeah. So Regina is, as I said, arguing to Henry, wait, that evil queen wasn't me, you know, except it was. Yeah, she was the one who showed up into the Wishverse. She was the one who killed his grandparents and took his mother away forever. It's like, it's not that you didn't do that, Regina. It's that you didn't think it was real because it was a wish. But it turns out it was real. And wouldn't it be interesting if we had had a season or even half of a season to explore this so that we could grapple with... Unintentional evil. Yeah, that would have been so interesting. Instead, she just keeps insisting either that wasn't her or, you know, when the show remembers that it was her, that she was a different person then because it was before she was redeemed. But it wasn't. She She was full redeemed by that point. Yeah, it's just, and it's so, I mean, to reference the great Sir Terry Pratchett and Granny Weatherwax, her comment that, the source of all evil is treating people like things. Yeah. And that's exactly what was happening. She was treating Snow and David like they weren't real because she didn't think they were. She thought they were just wish creatures, which well, an they illusion. were. Yes, an illusion. And so she just snapped their necks without thinking about it. She turned their hearts to dust without them. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that choreography she had where she snapped the necks as part of choreography. I mean, oh. that scene is pretty great because she... It's her begging Emma. She's like, you need to remember who you are. You need to fight for your parents. And Emma's like, I can't. I'm a helpless princess in this scenario. And I honest to God think Regina crushed them by accident because she was just shaking them in Emma's face. Yeah. God, that was such a powerful scene. All right, so back to the scene. So Regina's telling Henry that Uh, It wasn't her who killed his grandparents and took his mother away. Or if it was her, then she changed and she's a different person now. And he's like, it really doesn't seem like that's the case. He is kind of playing us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is so good because he's drawing parallels to himself and her. He talks about how revenge is the only thing that's been keeping him going after he lost everyone he loved. In one day, he lost everyone he loved, and all that he had left was revenge. And he's like, but you, you understand that, right? She, and you can see in her eyes that she does. She sees that her son's heart has been darkened by the things that she did. And she feels real grief about that, and she really wants to save him. Although, the show makes the morality here pretty easy, because... Rumple is involved, the dark one. And I mean, honestly, if you're in league with someone called the dark one, it's pretty clear that you're the baddie, right? Yeah. yeah. But other than that, are our guys, are our protagonists on the right side? I mean, from like an objective, you know, pulling back point of view, an interloper showed up, killed the king and queen, 
kidnapped the princess and disappeared, and now she's back. So yes, she should be arrested and punished, right? Yeah, I mean, this is, let's go back to the Camelot season, when Sir What's-His-Bucket recognized Regina from burning his village to the ground when he was a child and tried to kill her. And then David killed him, and they're like, oh, it's fine. He was trying to kill Regina. He's clearly a bad guy, when not really. He's a dude who's trying to defend his kingdom from a clear, invisible threat. Yeah. Hmm. But Once Upon a Time is not interested in that. Sadly. Yes. Henry has a magic-inhibiting bracelet slapped on Regina, and he is going to execute her the next day. Regina tells him that in the realm she comes from, she is Henry's mother, that she adopted him, that she loves him, that, like, they're mother and son, and she's trying to reach out to him, and Henry is not having it. Yeah, she's like, let me save you. I know what this does to you, and this is going to destroy you. You you might not know me, but I know you. I raised you. I love you. Let me help you. And he's like, okay help me by dying tomorrow at you know dawn he also tells her and i think rightly from his point of view that he doesn't need to be saved also then he takes his dagger and cuts open her hand to get some of her blood because i guess if you don't have dark savior blood evil queen blood will do for author's ink (laughs) yeah what happens with the blood is kind of ridiculous but fine you know what It's fine, considering what we see the author being able to do, which I'm actually fine with how much they expanded the author's power in this, the final episode, because we know Henry never used it, so it makes sense that it would have untapped potential. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay with them being like, different types of blood do different things, and here's something wild you can do if you have the blood of your enemy. Yeah. So, okay, that's fine. Central villain blood turns out to be pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, no kidding. Although, this is kind of interesting because it's an inversion of the whole Dark Savior blood thing. Right, because it's Redeemed Evil Queen. Yeah. Yeah. So, Regina is in a really fancy... Well, she's in a tavern, and I think it's probably the same tavern set that we've always seen, but it's completely empty. But then a fire lights behind her, and then all of a sudden... Yes. A hand. A hand with a very significant wrist tattoo. Yes. Robin of Loxley sits down across from her and is like, let's have a drink. He places a thing of liquor in front of her. So we see his hand first. And then it's him and he's like, hey, I'm in your head and I love you and I want you to know that love is the real power all along. And she's like, so are, are you actually here? And he's like, yes and no there's a piece of me that lives in your heart and since magic is real a part of me is real but like in your heart and it's dumbledore at the train station at the end of the seventh harry potter that is exactly what it is but they had to do this scene because so many of the last few seasons have been about regina getting a happy ending and if we're gonna finally give her a happy ending even if she's Calling it, you know, a happy second chance and not an ending. But if we're going to give her a happy ending at the end of this episode, we have to address her romantic heartbreak. Mm -hmm. And if we're not going to bring Robin back to life, which we are absolutely not, thank God, then we need to have it be like it was special 
and loss is real, and loss is the other side of love, and if you don't have loss, you can't have love, but he's still in your heart. And Sometimes people leave you halfway through the woods. Yes. But we had to have this scene in order to accept Regina's happy ending, given that her romantic adventures have been less than successful. God. Okay, so we got Daniel. We got Graham. Okay, Graham doesn't count. But no, I mean, really, it's, really, it's just Daniel and Robin. Yeah. It's just that they've both failed in spectacular ways. So, Regina has a kind of nice last kiss letting go of this part of her life forever. And he's like, you can save Henry. You can save everyone you need to. Just believe in yourself. And she's like, and if I don't? And, she's, and he's like, well. Well, he's in her heart and he believes in her. And she wakes up. And it was all a dream. Or was it? Yep, she's holding a feather, which, by the way, does not look like a... Arrowhead feather? No, it looks like a, like, Party City, it looks like a craft store feather. It really does. Although, considering, I hadn't thought about this, but considering the fact that his whole speech was about believing in herself, maybe it's not supposed to be a feather off of one of his arrows, maybe it's supposed to be Dumbo's feather. Oh, oh, wow. Last minute still, throwing this stuff out there. Oh, oh, don't get me started about throwing in stories at the last minute. Or, I mean, do, but like put a pin in it, because I'm going to bring it up to when we get towards the end of this episode. You know what I'm going to talk about. Yes. Zorro. Yes, I know. Okay. So, meanwhile... Hook and Rumpel are trying to break their way out of the snow globe, but no dice. Okay, I just want to bring up that we see them from the outside trying to break the snow globe. The previous snow globe scenes have been inside of the little shack that's inside of the snow globe. So it is nowhere more apparent than here how much they have shifted the dimensions of how big people are. What are proportions? (laughs) Right? Although I guess it makes sense that Rumpel would change... The proportions of people when he bamfed them in, just because he was going to put so many more people in. Mm. So, that's fine. Dark one, Rumple. Dark one, Rumple. So, they're banging on the glass, and they're trying to open it, and they're like, this is so hard. And then, Hook's like, maybe I should try banging on a different area. And that's not a good idea, Hook, because if anything, you've weakened this area. Seriously. And Rumple falls to his knees, and he's like, you know... I've known you so long, it's like, we're friends. It's like, you're my best friend. Okay, no. Hook asks him why, since they're gonna die, it's time to ask all the questions. Mm. Why, when they were enemies and Rumpel had all of his powers, he didn't just end Hook, since he had that ability. And Rumpel's like, because in a way, you were my only friend. Which, uh, A, this is a different Hook than the one you were dealing with. And B, you didn't know he was alive. You just left him to... You're like, you know what? What you want more than anything in the world is revenge. And it's far crueler to leave you wanting something you'll never have than to kill you. Okay, wait. Here's my interpretation of this. Okay. Okay. Weaver is just saying that now because he's friends with Hook now and he wants to say something nice. But the actual truth is, for me, it was just Tuesday. Mm Mm-hmm. But yes, they're friends, apparently. I was your nemesis. You weren't my nemesis. Wow, going full Lego Batman here. I was actually thinking of 
Dr. Horrible sing-along blog with that. Oh, Johnny Snow. Johnny Snow. So, admitting that they're actually friends somehow causes Maui's hook to appear? Well, I mean, that's a coincidence. Something else caused Maui's hook to appear, but... Do, do we find out what that is? Well, I think Alice did it with her magic. Oh. That's why when you're watching this episode, I asked to keep track of who had Maui's hook at this point. Alice has it at this point. From when? From when Hook got it from Ahab. Remember when we thought Ahab was going to be a character this season? Right. And remember, he thought that the Hook could cut the curse that Alice had. Mm -hmm. So he brought it to her in the tower. Yeah. But then it didn't work. But she still had it. And we saw last week, and we know from other weeks, that she's a pack rat, so she has everything. So she had Maui's Hook. And she must have brought it with her. And teleported it into the snow globe so they could use it to break out. We saw her teleport the Dark One dagger into her bag. That's totally within her power set. Yeah. So yeah, that's what she did. She brought it with her because she somehow knew that her father was in danger and that the danger involved needing to be able to break out of something. Or, I mean, maybe she just thought this is the most powerful magical item I have. I should bring it. Yeah. And so, yes, Hook uses the hook to break the... Glass of the snow globe, because I guess only Rumple can break it or a god's hook. Mm. You know, that always really bugged me in Buffy. What, the troll god hammer thing at the last second? Yeah, it's like, you can't just overpower someone. It's That's not a neat trick. That's just piling on the power. But whatever, whatever. As soon as Hook breaks the glass... They all teleport out and are full size again, which is convenient because it would have been really inconvenient if we had to figure out how to embiggen them when they were all, you know, trapped in the snow globe. Well, they're all noble spirits. So they're all out and they're all safe and Tilly and Robin and Zelina are there. Tilly runs to hug her father and then his heart, like, almost dies so that we all remember that his heart is almost dead. So... It's pretty great. Robin Jr. hands a, it looks like a wanted poster at first to Henry, but it's actually a poster advertising the most fun house party ever where they're totally going to kill the evil queen. Yeah, it's advertising the execution of the queen, which is really creepy, but is an actual thing that they did. So in, Mm. you know, actual medieval times. Man, all of history is awful. Yes, history was a mistake. So... Dark One Rumple approaches Henry, who's moping in the throne room. King Henry? King Henry. He tells King Henry, look, uh, I've got a little project I want you to help me with. He drops a book onto the ground. It looks kind of like the Once Upon a Time book, but it's black and silver, which, to be honest, is much more badass looking. It's a very cool look. Now, the stain on the knife with uh, Regina's blood where King Henry cut her is the last ingredient in this spell. And he's going to demonstrate what the spell does by having the dumb mask guards bring in Blue. Yep, the Blue Fairy. And Henry's like, this was all about you trying to get revenge on the Blue Fairy. And Rumple's like, no, I mean, I hate her, so I thought it would be fun to do her first. But no, no, this is much bigger than me not liking fairies. This is presumably the wish versus Blue Fairy, right? Yes, definitely. He's tying his magic to Henry's emotions. 
he has Hen- he stands behind Henry and he's going full Iago, you know, telling him to focus on the hate that he can't trust anyone, speaking like Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, he- I feel like we've seen Rumple do this before though when he was training women how to use magic. Oh yeah, this is very shades of him teaching Regina. He's like, hold on to the knife and remember how good it felt to cut your enemy and make her bleed. And the book flies open and a portal opens that is clearly a portal to a universe made up completely of ink. Yeah, it's real. It's a really cool effect. It's like this dark portal. Yeah, because the portals have been gold this season, but this one is silver. And like I said, it's a portal of ink. And it sucks the blue fairy into the book. The Blue Fairy is now physically imprisoned in the book that, I mean, Henry didn't write it, but I guess, or maybe he did. Maybe, maybe he wrote it off screen. Maybe Rumble had him write all this off screen. I, I doubt it. There's a lot of them. I think he's just tapping into Henry's power to create all of these books because Rumple has created separate realms for each person, for every hero to be trapped in. So they'll just be trapped alone forever in their own separate realms and i said before this is not an author power we've seen before but i'm okay with it because henry never stretched the to the limits of his author power yeah then we cut back to rumple good rumple with a dream catcher pulling out a memory of bell so that he can like watch it from from a distance and he can watch himself getting married to bell again and it's all very sentimental because he thinks that now that he doesn't have the dark one power anymore he'll never be able to voluntarily give up the dark one power and therefore will never be reunited with bell oh also the guardian's gone and for whatever reason that's important yes the guardian whose power he wasn't going to use because it would make alice immortal and that's bad I guess. What really gets me is that he says to his memory of Belle, now that the Guardian is gone, I can never earn my way back to you. But the whole thing about the Guardian that bugged me is that redemption shouldn't be about a specific magic spell you cast. It should be about earning it by not being a dickhole anymore. So, I mean... What are we even doing here? Yeah, exactly. If Guardian shouldn't be in the same sentence as earn. Yeah, it, it's a shortcut. An unnecessary shortcut. So we cut to Hook and Robin Jr. outside of the palace. They're going to break in and take down the guards and go into the dungeon and free Regina. And Hook's all like, well, this is where I die. This is definitely how I'm going to die. And also my, like, poisoned heart is getting real bad for whatever reason. My acting! He says, he says, I've survived this long, but my end is close at hand. And then Robin Jr. says to him, you know, your end is not at hand. And the captions on Netflix put that second at hand in quotation marks as though they think it's a pun. But there is no indication from the way that line is delivered that it is a pun. So what the hell, person who did the Netflix captions? Gotta hand it to you. I, Hook is dying and he says to Robin, you know, take care of Alice. And Robin's like, duh, of course. And as long as we're on the subject... Can I ask you to ask her for her hand in marriage? And Hook's like, 
duh, of course. It's like, that's really outdated, but fine, whatever. He says that it'll be nice to know that there's someone looking after Alice after he dies. And Robin's like, you're not going to die. Shut up. This is the last episode. Shut up. So now that she has his permission to marry his daughter, she's determined to drag his ass to the wedding one way or the other. Yeah, I like that. I appreciate that. And all he needs to do is distract the guard so she can get in. Yep, they're going to fire a bunch of arrows. They're going to get in. It's going to be good. Note that these guards are just dudes doing their jobs, you know. Their job of guarding the castle of their king, who has not done anything evil that they know of up until this point. Yes, they have a prisoner. The woman who murdered the last two monarchs from this country and kidnapped a princess forever. I mean, you could argue that imprisoning the blue fairy is bad, but they don't know that that's happened. They're just guys doing their job at this point. Hooray, all the named characters live. Yeah, yeah. Well, Hook charges at the guards. And in another part of the castle, since these guards are charging Hook, Henry and Alice are going down into the dungeon through, like, the back door. He... I don't want to be this guy, but... Alice, you can teleport. You don't need the distraction. You could have just teleported everyone. I guess that's true. Yeah. Well, Henry conspicuously tells Alice to wait outside so that he can have this scene without her, where he goes downstairs and his mom is like, Henry, you're here to save me. And then he fights the guards and it's okay for a second, but then they have the upper hand and he's about to get like impaled on a sword when someone from behind him kills that guard dead with an arrow yeah i want to point out henry was still on his not murdering people kick like he was he punched from the guards really hard in the throat which probably can't be great for you Mm -hmm. but he was taking them down non-fatally the guard that was about to impale him gets an arrow through the back of the neck that guy is dead as hell yep And who fired the arrow, but Snow! Yep, Snow and David, disguised as guards in the terrible helmets, have shown up. They're like, hey, it's us, your grandparents, here to save the day. And everyone's really happy, even me, because it's been so long since we saw Snow and David that I'm kind of happy to see them again. Yeah, they're not terrible here, which is nice. Also, they actually seem genuinely happy to be here, which we haven't seen for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah, having a season off was really good for them. They both look, like, good. They have, like, color in their cheeks again. Yeah, Mary Margaret looks, like, Jennifer Goodwin looks really good here. She has her hair in a ponytail, which is weird, but... Yeah, it looks good on her, though. Yeah, it looks good. Also, Snow killed a dude. Yeah. Well, we cut from this to the War Council room, where David is in charge, because he's David, and that's what he thinks. And he does a little speech about... You know, we have new friends and alternate universe friends and an entirely new generation of people, but we're still us and we're still the good guys. Snow says what hasn't changed is that we're on the side of right. Mm. Which I think means that Snow just thinks that any side she's on is the right side and not that she has to interrogate her motives ever. God, talking about Snow and David being self-righteous is kind of like... uh, Nostalgic? Yeah. Yeah. So, did Snow end up being the ironic archer in the end? In the end, Snow... In the end, it turns out that Snow was the ironic archer the whole time. 
So... David and Snow have found in the... They have found in the castle all of the books that the Dark One created that he's going to try to capture them all in. Okay, this is really weird because David gestures to two of the weird helmet guards and they bring the books over. Yeah, that made me realize that maybe David and Snow didn't have to show up in disguise and kill that guard. Maybe they just needed to show up as themselves and be like, wait, it's not what you think. We're back. Listen to us because we are the king and queen. Yeah, why are the weird helmet guards listening to them all of a sudden? It's no and David. Also, it seems weird that Henry decided to keep, that King Henry decided to keep the aesthetic choices of the woman who murdered his grandparents and kidnapped his mom. Eh. No, 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 we realized, we realized that that was actually Snow's father's thing. God, that's weird. Are we sure his kingdom wasn't evil? No, I'm not sure of that at all, especially considering how he treated Regina. Yeah, because those outfits are real Are We the Baddies outfits. They are. So everyone gets their own book out of the pile of books and sees what is waiting for them in the uh, volumes that the Dark One is going to trap them in. It's really intense. It's cool, too. Like These are good drawings. Yeah, they're just drawings of each of the characters trapped in a cold desolate wasteland yeah separately each everyone trapped in their own individual separate wasteland adult henry points out that what's really horrifying is that in these realms they're all alone and they don't have each other which I want to point out, has been the problem with this whole season. Everyone's been isolated from each other. You know what this season has been like? What? Season four of Buffy. Oh, yeah, where everyone's going off in their own directions, and Xander really has no reason to be in the show anymore. Yeah, but that was really the problem with season four of Buffy. And one of the good things with Buffy, and one of the reasons it was able to kind of get its feet under itself again, is that in the finale, when they're fighting Adam, they were like, Wow, it really sucks that we haven't seen each other basically all year. Maybe we need to be a team and we need to, like, remember that we're a team and not split the party so much in the future. Mm. David and Mary Margaret are going to go out into the realm and warn people about what's coming and let them know not to lose hope. This is actually, I, I know Mary Margaret Hope speeches suck, but... Honestly, I do kind of like that she's framing this as a contingency plan in case they fail to stop the dark one she's like in case we can't stop him everyone needs to know that it's not the end that we're all going to keep fighting no matter what that there is always hope there's a lot of talk in here about how dark one rumple's main goal is to break people's spirit Mm -hmm. so mary margaret's just like well we just won't let that happen no matter what meanwhile Weaver has found some hidden magic that the Dark One had just stashed in a little bottle. Yep, he had it stashed in case of emergency, and Weaver knows this because he is also Rumple, and he puts the magic on his hand so that he can rip out Rumpelstiltskin's heart. Yes. And then the Dark One Rumpelstiltskin teleports in and is like, Ha ha, too late, dearie! It is I, Robert Carlyle, here to chew the last scene I shall ever chew. I already have what I need to trap you all in these books. 
an author with a darkened heart. I do love how King Henry has a scar from the last episode so we can differentiate him from Henry Classic. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I like that that scar is from the event that turned him towards darkness, even though... The incel scene. Makes me so angry. But I do like how they basically ignored that after it happened when they realized the better motivation is the Regina revenge thing. Yes. Although I have to think that these were filmed back to back, so it's not like they got feedback. They just course corrected mid-writing. They course corrected mid-episode last episode. <laughs> yeah. So apparently Henry doesn't need to write anything else. All he needs to do is just truly darken his heart. And once his heart is truly dark then the magic will just, like, auto-start. Mm-hmm. So, presumably what that means is he has to kill Regina. We see him in the woods looking for Regina, and after he sends his guards off to look for her, she steps out and is like, Hi, remember, I'm still your mom. I still love you. And he's like, No, that's not a thing. Fight me! Yeah, he's Fight like, me! He's like, No, you didn't raise me in this realm. I was raised by Emma and my grandparents all of whom you took away from me. And she's like, I'm not going to fight you. And he's like, I feel like if I throw you a sword and then try to kill you, you will. Okay, she does pick up the sword, but she is really only parrying. She's not actually fighting. Yeah, she's just defending herself. Yes. So as this is happening, everyone else is now in front of their own portals, their own writer portals that are trying to suck them in and everybody's hanging on to this long table trying to not get sucked into the portal alice is almost sucked in and hook reaches out to grab her hand even though that means that his poisoned heart starts to like poison him which is very touching and also exactly what you knew was gonna happen as soon as people started being sucked into portals you knew that was what was gonna happen boy we are not seeing lucy at all here Yeah, Lucy isn't here, even though we did see a book with her name on it. Mm. So, uh, Henry disarms Regina and starts getting ready to stab her. Uh, Alice is losing her grip. She and Hook are so close to being sucked into the portal. Henry has his sword up against Regina's chest. And she's just like, I'm sorry, I'm still your mother and I still love you, no matter what. She's given him that real, you can't kill me because I'm just gonna love you look. Yeah, and it's it's emotionally affecting, even though it shouldn't be. He has no idea who she is. I don't know. It's really hard to run someone through, I assume, when they're looking at you with a face that's just like, I just needed you to know you were loved. I mean... Well, she's connecting to him. She tells him, like, I understand. I, more than anyone else, know what you're going through. I know what it's like to feel alone. I know what it's like to be alone. And I want you to know that you were never alone. Even when you felt alone, even when everyone was gone, you always had me. I will always love Henry, no matter what version of Henry, no matter where, who you are. I will always love you. And of course, Henry can't run her through after she makes that speech. So he drops the sword in frustration, because, you know. We're going all Dark Willow here. Yeah, he drops the sword in frustration and hugs, I was going to say his mother, but as you said, Regina's never been his mother. And that causes all of the portals to close up. And, okay, okay. All of the portals are closed up and Hook is on the floor dying because of his poisoned heart. And Weaver looks over at Dark One Rumple and goes, this is all your fault. And I'm like, yeah, he's the bad guy. He set all this up to hurt you all. He... 
Th- we, this we, we all know it's his fault. What the hell? This is not news, Rumple. But then he, like, charges at him, and he's going to try to pull out his heart, but remember, Weaver doesn't have any power right now, and, of course, Dark One Rumple does, so he just force chokes him up into the air and then drops him, and he's all like, love has made you weak. We couldn't get Korra back for this episode, so I thought I would just use her arc words and no one would notice. I mean, they are sort of a go-to thing. I mean, look at Kubo and the Two Strings, or Dark Phoenix... Yeah, yeah. But then Rumple, of course, knows the answer to those arc words, which is, no, love has made me strong. Although, actually, what he says is that he has evolved. He also says he knows secrets about how the Dark One works since he was a Dark One. And now he's going to do something super brave. And he rips out his own heart. And shoves it in Hook's chest. Okay, wait. But before he shoves it in Hook's chest, when he gets ready to shove it into Hook's chest, first of all, we see that his heart goes, like, all of the darkness leaves his heart. Because this is a truly selfless act, so he's, like, pure of heart now. And right before he goes to shove it in his heart, Alice is like, no, if you do that, you'll never see Belle again. The line of guardians has been ended. What a weird thing to throw in at the last minute. That is not a thing that we, I I shouldn't even spend any time on it since this show didn't. But what the hell? The line of guardians. So he's like, yeah, you don't do the right thing because you want a reward. You do the right thing because it's the right thing. And then he shoves his golden heart into Hook's chest, saving him and killing both Rumple and the Dark One forever. Okay, so Rumple killed his wife. That's not okay. Mm. I want to say that there is a nice symmetry here between his rivalry with Hook, beginning with crushing Mila's heart, the heart of the woman that... He stole Hook's heart, and then many, many years later, he gave it back. Yes, But that makes Mila an object in a way that I do not like. So I don't even like pointing out that symbolism because that symbolism seems to really erase Mila's humanity. But I can't ignore it. It's there. It's right there. Remember, he also destroyed her soul in the afterlife. Jesus Christ. Poor Mila. No justice for Mila, huh? Yeah, no one ever brings that. I don't think anyone ever found out about that, but. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to put a damper on this episode, but it sure is nice that Rumple gets a happy ending, and spoiler, if that even means anything anymore, gets to go be off with Belle for all eternity in her sexy, iconic yellow dress. But, uh, no, Mila dies at his hands and then suffers, like, the true death in hell. At his hands. No justice for Mila. Nope. But he and Hook are buds now. God damn it. I, I don't want to be a downer right here. I mean, I feel like I'm unfairly bringing everyone down by bringing up Mila, but it just, it's not fair. She is truly the gram of this show. Right? <laughs> I mean, Graham didn't suffer the second death the way Mila did, so presumably he at least found some peace. Yeah, he wasn't in hell. Which means he's probably up in heaven being fine. Running with his wolf buds. Oh, his wolf bro. Yeah. So, Alice explains to the people who 
couldn't get what happened by watching it to hook what Rumple did, how he sacrificed himself and that made him pure in his last moment, so he's probably going to get to go to heaven or whatever. And Hook's like, goodbye, old friend. And everyone pretends to be sad like this is the first time Rumple's died or anything. Right? He's got another son running around out there. I'm sure Gideon will get around to sacrificing his life to bring Rumple back. I'm pretty sure Gideon's dead now, too, because of weird timeline things, but... Oh, God, probably. Because <laughs> his ass doesn't show up this episode. Yeah. Regina comes in, and they fill her in on what happened, and she's like, oh, this is sad, but you know what? I'm pretty sure that this was a pretty redemptive thing. I'm sure he's with Belle in heaven. Everyone calm down. We kind of skipped over it, but the great thing about his death is when he shoves his heart into Hook, the Dark One is standing to the side, and he's full Robert Carliling. He's like, his hands are turning to ash. All of him's turning to ash. And he's like, no more me. Yeah, no, it is a pretty amazing moment. He really does get the best final moment. Although Regina gets a pretty good final moment too, which we'll get to. Yes. So uh, Regina tells him that in his last moments, he was good, blah, blah, blah. They're really hammering this in. So we're not surprised when we cut to heaven deathland yeah i mean it's not it's not hell it's not the hell verse we've seen it really is heaven it's like all clouds and happiness and we see the the well the well that was the source of all magic in the first few seasons and oh there's Belle standing in as i said the sexy version of her iconic yellow dress i mean it's the dress from the movie but like shinier and kind of it feels like she's got more cleavage in that dress than the cartoon Belle does oh yeah I mean, maybe that's just because she's a human woman and not a cartoon. But she's illuminated and she's like, you did good. And now you get to bone me forever. I mean, she looks like an angel. And honestly, she looks really, really good. This is like profile picture good. I mean, the lighting in this scene is really amazing. Yeah, this is, you know, everyone got really great shot. Everyone looked good in this episode. Yeah, they Towards the end of season six, when it felt like people didn't want to be there anymore, there were a lot of people who looked like maybe they hadn't even stopped by wardrobe and makeup on their way to set. Like, they just rolled onto set in their sweats and just, like, started filming like that. Um, None of that in this episode. Everyone was looking great and on point and very put together. And it's a really... I've... Not here for the Rumpelbell ship at literally any point in the show but i'd be lying if i said this moment didn't get me they kiss and the light gets brighter and brighter and they're just kind of leaning their foreheads against each other and it's a it's a really sweet moment i i have a friend um she's she's an online friend i don't know her irl but i have an online friend who does a lot of cosplay and she and her husband have cosplayed Belle and Dark One Rumple, mm-hmm. And I always feel really bad. I'm always like, I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast and hear how much we hate that ship. But, you know, I feel like watching this scene, if we ever end up having a conversation about it, I can just be like, yeah, I get it. That last scene, it's really powerful. It's like she got off the plane, you know? Yeah, you don't like Ross, but you like the moment. Exactly, exactly. That's a Friends reference um, for our younger listeners. It was a very popular show in the 90s. Meanwhile, uh, everyone is looking for Regina. She's gone off to herself. She's she's in her tower, the Evil Queen Tower. Yeah. 
And she has a plan. Yes, the Henrys ask her, what's next? Where do we go from here? Where do we go from From here? But she has an idea, which, honest to God, would have been a really interesting concept for a season of Once Upon a Time, but... Well, they definitely couldn't have done this season of season seven because they didn't have everyone. Yeah. Um, I still think they could have done all of the Dark Henry stuff just with the actor who's currently playing. Instead of Jared Gilmore. Yeah. 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 Well, so her idea is to cast a new curse, but not a dark curse, a light curse, a blessing, if you will. Yeah, it's it's an inversion of the dark curse where she's connecting all of the realms together. Yes. And now every person who could be a story brookian will be a story brookian yeah there are real shades of the last episode of buffy here so she instead of crushing the heart of the thing she loves the most she's going to take a tiny piece freely given of the heart of everyone who loves her and everyone she loves and a piece of her own heart and then she's going to basically bring all of the realms to maine so People from Storybrooke will be able to cross into the real world, but also Storybrooke will just be like a... The eternal market? Yeah, it'll be like, it'll be like a a crossroads where you can cross into any other realm. Which is such a cool idea. We get this very Game of Thrones crane shot. I mean, it's not really a crane shot, it's a CGI shot, but shot where we see all of Storybrooke and then we fly and we see all of the other realms that we've seen. We see Arendelle and we see the Enchanted Forest and we see the Emerald City and we see Steampunk Land. Yeah, they're merging together all of the CGI models they already had from the previous seasons. And then we see Maleficent flying through the air in her dragon form and then... Okay. And then we hear a voiceover of Zelina... Because she's in her car driving into Storybrooke, and... She's talking to Regina. She's talking to Regina, and they're talking about what happened to Maleficent. Turns out Maleficent and Lily, after they went off on their adventure, found Lily's father, who it turns out was Zorro, and they had a whole thing. And I'm like, god damn it! You know he wanted to see what happened with Lily, and now you're telling me that what happened with Lily was super awesome, and you didn't let us see it? I do. How dare you? I do really like the fact that I'm willing to bet people were really mad that they never got back to that, so they felt the need to be like, we're going to throw in resolution at basically the last possible moment. It really is the last possible moment. And, I mean, when you say you're willing to bet that people were upset about that, you mean... We were upset about it and are being very vocal about it. Yes, that is what I mean. But they're driving for some sort of surprise event in uh, the castle. I do want to point out that apparently you can cross in and out of Storybrooke now, but there are guards at the front of Storybrooke. Mm. What does the rest of the country think is going on in Maine? Well, I'm assuming this is a... uh, you know, mystically, it's still, like, from the outside, the size of a small town. And it's got, like, a somebody else's problem field around it? Oh, no, like, if you're co- if you're coming at Storybrooke from the outside, it's the size of a small town. Inside Storybrooke, it's, you know, eternal. But do, like, no tourists go to Storybrooke? No, I'm assuming they still have the same magical protections they had before, where you can only come in if you have one of those little charm things. Okay. 
So Zelina and and Henry, adult Henry, are leading Regina in a really, really pretty silver dress, by the way. It's like, it's a good guy dress, but a lot of times when they put Regina in good guy dresses, it's not the best look for her. They try to make her look innocent or fluffy or whatever. Yeah, no, this is just like her normal dress, but in silver. And she looks great she looks gorgeous i also really like selena's uh dress which is it's sort of this green with gold filling stuff in it it looks good i like it it looked browner to me than that i actually kind of liked that it signified to me that she wasn't trying to be the center of attention at this point which is not something you ever see with selena so that's nice yeah It's kind of neat. She teleports out of the scene so both Henrys can take Regina's arms. King Henry is now the sheriff of Storybrooke. Yep, yep. All of the good that has happened, the police force in Storybrooke is still hella corrupt. I do like that Scar Henry has... He's just getting a second childhood now with Regina as his mom. Well, I was trying to see if that is Scar Henry or not. Is is there Scar or no Scar? I think there's a Scar. You're right, because regular Henry is off. Yeah, impregnating Jacinda. Yeah, okay. So Regina come Regina is escorted in to the main the main hall, the grand hall, and it is an inversion of the scene that opens the whole series. Yeah, it's like it's the same place that Snow and David got married. And Snow and David are still standing in the center just as they did on their wedding day, but instead of barging in and breaking up their wedding, Regina is escorted in by her her son and her alternate dimension son and toddler Neil is there so that you know that he's still okay. Yeah. And then David's like, go away, Neil. We need to do other stuff. And the toddler toddles off into the crowd. And then we get shots of the crowd, including VIP extra Sabine, who, as I said, gets no lines this episode. Poor Sabine. I do like that they're springing this on Regina because Regina is being coronated... Slash, apparently everyone had a secret election and elected her queen. It's a surprise coronation! And she's been elected queen, just like in Descendants when they elected Beast King. Yeah. What I love about this is, you know, everyone's there, everyone... Uh, she... uh, is everyone there? Yeah, we, we go over the crowd to see everyone. They uh, could... uh... I'm, I'm leading to okay, it, okay, I'm okay. leading to it. We pan over the crowd to see everyone Regina loves... And she leans in close to Snow as Snow holds out her crown. And she's like, is everyone here? And Snow's like, I think she was busy with the baby. And I was ready to be real mad. Okay, she doesn't say she was busy with the baby. She says the baby was getting fussy, right? So the implication isn't that Emma couldn't be here because of the baby. The implication is that she's here. She literally just stepped out because the baby was crying. Mm-hmm. So... I was ready to be real big mad if they didn't get Jennifer Morrison back for this. So was I, to be honest. So was I. So I do love that Regina sees everyone she loves there and it's not enough for her because she doesn't see Emma because they needed- Her girlfriend's not there! They needed to throw in one thing right at the end. But yeah, she's like, oh, well, I mean, I guess if I have to become queen of everything without Emma- and then Emma burst fucking in. Yeah, no, Emma, Emma is Regina bursting in with, like, the baby and hook in tow. And she's wearing this very beautiful virginal white dress with her red leather jacket over it. And she's like, 
She says to Regina, but really to us, you didn't think I'd miss this, did you? Got me right in the feels. I know. I kind of teared up. I was so happy. And then she takes her place by Regina's side. Oh. Uh, and they're rolling everything together forever as queen and queen. Yeah. Well, so when Regina is doing, is, is you know, giving her like queenly reception to everybody, Emma is like, Madam Mayor. And Hook's all like, no, she's, she's, it's her majesty now. And Emma's like, to me, she'll always be Madam Mayor. And then Regina's like, Miss Swan. Oh, God. I melt. I melted. I totally melted. And then there's a speech about how this isn't a happy ending. It's a happy beginning, blah, blah, blah. The end of the show. I mean, it is nice. Regina got literally everything she'd ever wanted. Regina finally got her real happy ending. And you know what? That makes sense to me. Like, all of season seven, honestly, has been kind of a wash. Mm Mm-hmm. But season six's finale was Emma gets her happy ending. But that's not what we wanted. We wanted the finale to be Regina gets her happy ending. And that's that's what we got here. It's like, finally, someone has given Regina what she deserves. Literally everything. <laughs> she has three sons now she's got she's got future henry she's got current henry and she's got backup wish verse henry she's got so many people who love her snow and david are bowing down to her that's all she ever wanted they're bowing down to her and giving her dominion over everything right not just her realm literally every realm and also like She's got this hot girlfriend, and yeah, good for her. Good for her. So <laughs> yes, that's my my final my final emotion. My final thought on Once Upon a Time is that gif of Jessica Walters from Arrested Development saying "Good for her." That's my final thought on Once Upon a Time. Which, and they do this like flash montage of all of the high points of all of the adventures, and literally nothing from season seven is in it. Yup. Yup. That is accurate. So, it feels like, I mean, I really enjoyed this episode. I feel like this is a good ending for Once Upon a Time. I'm happy with this. It does sort of feel like it was shitting all over uh, the seventh season. Well, I mean... The seventh season is, like, I now have a new least favorite season. It eclipsed three? Yep. Well, the Peter Pan part of three. Yes. And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Because there was so much more potential in this season than there was in three that was squandered. I know there was also squandered potential in that season, but this one felt even worse. But, yeah, we get a cool sort of crane shot panning through storybrook and it's a really solid ending to the show the last shot being a thing of the sign leaving storybrook and then it just slowly fades out yeah i this was a this was a satisfying final scene yeah it definitely was also this is very weird for the how seriously how long have we been doing this three four years yeah for the first time in years years 
my Netflix no longer has Once Upon a Time on my Continue Watching tab. Oh. I know, right? It's like a... It's a honestly, that's one of the more emotional things for me. But we did it. We have talked about every episode of Once Upon a Time. How are you doing? How are I, you feeling? I feel great about it. I really, really do. I... God, after last episode, I wasn't expecting this one to get me the way it did, but man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so I guess leaving Storybrooke. Yeah. No longer welcome to Storybrooke. I'm, I'm glad that you were here with us as we went through this show. I uh, am too. And you know what? I we've We've actually even gotten to know some of you. I feel like some of you I know pretty well just from social media. And I, I love y'all talking back to us and talking to you and, and hearing your projects that you're working on. It's, it's all, I, I'm very excited about this little group that we have put together. And I hope you all follow us to our next two podcasts. We're not sad that this is ending. We're happy for new beginnings. Yes, yes, that's a good way to put it. So I think our recommendation should be Charmed and Farscape. Yeah. Well, this season, I've been reading the introduction, the Netflix intros to the shows we were going to do, to the episodes we were going to do, and I kind of wanted to do the same thing here with Charmed and Farscape. So next time, we're going to be talking about, and by next time, I mean about a month from now, we're going to be talking about the first episode of Charmed, Something Wicca This Way Comes. Yes, the Netflix description is, Sisters Prue and Piper Hallowell have recently moved into their dead grandmother's old Victorian home in the San Francisco Hills. Wow, that's not accurate. No, it's not. Not at all. They were living there forever. Yeah. And what happens is that Phoebe joins them and then they form the power of three. We'll get into it. They don't even mention Phoebe in that. Literally the power of three is the whole point of Charmed. Oh, uh, Netflix. We'll also be talking in Welcome to the Uncharted Territories about the first episode of Farscape, which doesn't have a title. It's just called Premiere. And this one is a slightly more accurate description. Now, Farscape, unfortunately, is not on Netflix. It's, also, it's not streaming on Hulu either. So hopefully we'll find a way. Well, I mean, I own the DVDs, but I'll try to tweet out about a way for you all to follow along with us. The So this description is from Wikipedia, and it is, Present-day human John Crichton is unexpectedly sucked through a wormhole and flung to some distant part of the universe on a ship. A living ship full of strange alien life forms. That part's from the opening monologue where he becomes trapped with a group of escaped prisoners after he accidentally kills a local law enforcer. So it's Wizard of Oz. They they mention Wizard of Oz. No, actually, Wizard of Oz is a perfectly accurate description of what Farscape is. Hmm. I know that you are not super into sci-fi, but like most sci-fi, Farscape is really fantasy- in sci-fi costumes, fantasy in space, mm-hmm. and in fact, and we will talk about this a lot as we're getting into Farscape, Farscape feels a lot like a D&D group, and you can even see how, like, characters who are NPCs, like, a player character dies, and then they decide, oh, how about if I just play that NPC instead, and you can tell it's like, 
oh, the person who used to be playing this character is definitely playing this old NPC now because they have that person's personality now. It's a very interesting way to look at Farscape. Also, it is 100% just a fantasy story. All right, so I think that will about do it. Yeah, I guess this does it for, like, ever. Yeah. Wow. Well, Welcome to Storybook has been partially listener-supported. We would like to thank our current $5 and above patrons. Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. I'll be turning off the Patreon for the next four weeks, but... And then I'm going to flip it back on, and if you would like to be one of our patrons supporting our other shows, Welcome to Hallowell Manor or Welcome to the Uncharted Territories, you can go to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. You could also support us by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Um, We'd appreciate it. It helps other people find the show. Also, uh, ratings and reviews are especially important during the first few weeks of a podcast. So if you are so inclined, once we start releasing our new podcast, if you want to head over and rate and review our new podcast, we would really appreciate it. Yeah. If you want to talk to us, even during these four weeks when we're on hiatus, about Once Upon a Time or Charmed or Farscape or any other television, head over to our Facebook page, Welcome to Television. Uh, we can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to Storybrook. Sure.